Booster is excited to support DIA Schools Collaborative on furthering the missions of our respective organizations through Follow to Lead podcast and other DIA programming. Visit ChooseBooster.com for details on Booster's school fundraising events, technology, and customized spirit gear. Booster can help your Catholic school meet and exceed its fundraising goals. Learn more today. Welcome to Follow to Lead, where we discover how to listen for and follow God's call so that we might lead others to God. Our shared stories of inspiration from religious leaders and those active in the educational ministry of the church can help you know better how God is calling you and the role passionate Catholic education plays in spreading His message of faith, hope, and love. Now please welcome the hosts of Follow to Lead, Father Randy Sly and Kyle Pietrantonio. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Christ the teacher, teach us to listen. Teach us to do the deep listening to the sounds of our soul, waiting to hear your voice calling us to cast out deeper, to become fishers of men and women, shepherds of souls, to follow your will in order to lead others to the truth, beauty, and goodness only you can offer, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to Follow to Lead, a journey twice a month into the world of Catholic education, exploring what it means to follow God in order to lead others to Him. I'm Father Randy Sly, your host. Today, we have a very special edition of Follow to Lead, looking at the impact of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI on Catholic education. And for this podcast, I'm joined by three members of the Duke and Altum Board of Directors. I have uh, Rich Meyer, president of J. Sarah Catholic High School in San Juan Capistrano, California, Andy Talicki, president of St. James Academy in Lenexa, Kansas, and Dr. Todd Flanders, headmaster at Providence Academy up in Chile, Plymouth, Minnesota. So, gentlemen, welcome to the program. Thank you, Thank brother. You. Thanks, yeah, Father. You well, you know, as we all have heard the news that we've all been anticipating, and it came on New Year's Eve this past month, that on December 31st, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI passed away. And prior to his election as Pope, uh, Benedict led a distinguished career as a professor, theologian, and as prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And citing his old age in 2013, he became the first Pope to resign since Gregory XII in 1415. Now, we've titled this program, Leaving a Legacy, Pope Benedict and Catholic Education. And normally we follow a fairly structured format of questions and answers, but today it's going to be a little bit more free-flowing as we discuss the late Holy Father's impact on Catholic education. So, guys, you can just feel free to just enter into the conversation as you have something to share. But I want to get the discussion started by looking back at the visit of Pope Benedict in April of 2008 to the United States, and in particular at his address to Catholic educators on April 17th. And I happened to be a member of the Papal Press Corps at the time, and it seemed to me that his address at Catholic University of America was truly inspirational for Catholic educators. And one of the things he said as he began his address was this, First and foremost, every Catholic educational institution is a place to encounter the living God who in Jesus Christ reveals his transforming love and truth. 
Now, to me, this sounds like the opening line to the mission statement of Duke and Altum. What do you guys think? The resonance is there. Well, F Father Randy, talk about stealing the thunder. I was in, in sort of leading up to preparing for this podcast. I, I, I had a chance to be uh, be at the audience or one of the audience, many audiences that Pope Benedict held when he came to our country in uh, 2008 at, at Yankee Stadium of all places. Right. Um, I was trying to go. I, I will have to admit that I don't. I, I don't have the ability to commit to memory exact quotes um, from yesterday, much less 14 years ago. Uh, so I went. I said, "Oh, there's a, there's this great quote that he shared. I couldn't remember it. And I pulled up that exact quote. Um, so we're we're tracking on the same wavelength as you know, in terms of you know, in terms of kind of my memories of, of, of that visit uh, when he was here and and really serving as a great point of inspiration. I think for all of us leading Catholic schools and, and in Catholic schools, right? That that um, you know that we aren't as Catholic schools. We aren't just sort of ancillary to the to the mission of the church, but in some ways we're the, the education that we impart is essential, right? To to what we're called to do here is, as as leaders in our church, lay and lay and otherwise. Yeah, I think the idea. I, you know, I was reading some materials as well uh, previous to the to the podcast, and one of the things that really stuck out to me was his his uh, his idea that schools, uh, not only I mean, you're speaking to university professors and presidents and those 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 type, but really even directed towards secondary and grade school as well, that we were just as important as, as anyone else is in that in that mission field and that schools are one of the biggest mission fields for evangelization for Catholics these days. And I think we, um, the three of us as leads of our schools, take that to heart. And, and we believe that to be uh, wholeheartedly true on a daily basis on our campuses that we we want to follow that lead because that's who we want our kids to be as evangelizers for the faith. And and I think the three of us talk about, along with our other uh, cohorts on our board at Duke and Altum, about the importance of this across our country. Because on this podcast here, you got a guy in the middle of the country, you got a guy way up north freezing in 12 feet of snow, and you got somebody out in L.A. who might go surfing this afternoon. So, you know, we're, we're in all different spots in this country, but we find our, our, our responsibilities as leaders of our schools, not just for our own schools, but for each other. You know, I don't have uh, anything particular to add other than the, the focus on encounter with Christ uh, in with a Benedict inflection, uh, always had the valence of of truth, the truth with a capital T, and I know that uh, the Duke in Altum Collaborative uh, is very very interested in in that dimension, uh, certainly for education, not just in the higher education world, but in K twelve, and I know that that Benedict was very very serious about that. One of the things that was really neat about his visit is. He really kind of engaged uh, educators in our nation in the context of our country and of our culture. Um, I remember one of the things, and I, of course, I've got some notes in front of me here. One of the things he said is that set against personal struggles, moral confusion, and fragmentation of knowledge. And boy, talk about that was 2000, what, eight? And this is 2023, how much more that is true. Uh, but he said, set against those things. The noble goals of scholarship and education founded on the unity of truth and in service of the person and the community become an essentially powerful instrument of hope. And then he goes on to kind of integrate that into our country, saying the history of this nation includes many examples of the church's uh, commitment in this regard and goes on to talk about Mother Seton, talks about other ways in which education has really impacted the entirety of culture. 
where where do we see the uh, these things happening today with the Mother Setons and and people like that from the past? Well, uh, I I feel that that's a little bit of a softball question to some people listening to this podcast because people listening to this podcast may be uh, wanting to follow in those types of footsteps, maybe doing that already, uh, looking at the community that is around them, looking at the environment that they're in. Um, thinking about the totality of the gospel, thinking about the relation of, uh, of faith and reason, thinking about the development of human persons from young ages, and, um, and uh, follow that kind of an inspiration. So I, what, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I see parish schools here in our own Twin Cities and around the country increasingly getting serious about um, uh, more comprehensive witness. Um, and not that not that parish schools haven't been about that, but I think that there's an intentionality uh, about that. That undoubtedly uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth um, was a contributor to, and I uh, love the thought of Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton because of that great tradition in the United States. Um, but I think her spirit is very much alive in lots of reforms in our time in schools. To, to, to piggyback off what, what Todd was just saying too, Father Randy, I, I, I think some of the models of schools too continuing to go forward here where we find ourselves in, in, in the 21st century. I know Todd's school up in, up, in, uh, up in Plymouth, Minnesota is similar to J. Sarah's out in California where we're an independent school. Um, and that's certainly not to suggest that schools that are connected to parishes or religious orders, um, dioceses aren't and can't do really great things. But I also think part of, you know, part of this advent of Catholic education here in, in our current times, in our current century, is also looking for ways for, for the laity to take critical leadership roles. And you've seen that in schools, independent schools, too, that, are, that have been born out of this Catholic spirit and this desire to, again, really double down on our Catholic identity um, and, and that are thriving, right, that are thriving because of that. And I think in many ways, too, really helping to rise the tide or raise the tide of all, all of us working in Catholic education, regardless of the model of, of our schools, which is also really exciting, right? It's, it's this idea of, of empowering us as, and I know I speak for all three of us on the call, all of us are, are, aren't just running schools, but we also happen to be parents of, of kids who have been or are in or will once be, soon be in Catholic schools, um, right? That, that, we're, you know, that we're out there in the mission fields for the benefit of our own children um, and also for the benefit of society and, and the church at large, but not relying on, you know, on necessarily the clergy to, you know, to pull us up and move us forward, but saying, no, we've been, we're, we're called as lay men and lay women to, to tackle great things. And, and, uh, and we've been blessed to have parents who've gone before us in some of our schools and, and sort of charting a trajectory. So I think that really lines well with you know, this, this vision of Pope Benedict. Father Randy, you'll forgive me. Some of us on this thing are talkers. Do you mind if I share another, uh, <laughs> another thought? <laughs> no, that's, that's exactly why we're here. Go ahead. Maybe. Maybe Some like to idea. talk more than others. <laughs> Andy, you know me well, don't you? <laughs> uh, as we think about this being an auspicious moment for uh, for serious Catholic education, again, you mentioned uh, um, uh, Mother Elizabeth Anne, and we're thinking about Pope Benedict. Pope Benedict famously in 2005 um, warned the world about the dictatorship of relativism. It became a very right. famous, very famous quote. And uh, 17 years later, um, those of us who may have scratched our heads a little bit in 2005, trying to understand that, 
I think it's becoming clearer by the day. I think Benedict understood uh, the, the trajectory uh, that that uh, relativism requires uh, a form of of tyranny in order to make sure that fundamental principles never show their heads again. Uh, and I think more and more people are seeing that. And I think that in uh, many communities around our country, and not specific, not just Catholic communities, but this is where good Catholic schools, I think, are really at a at a neat point. Um, we, to the extent that we reject the tyranny of relativism and the spirit of relativism, and offer uh, a wholeness of the gospel, and offer things uh, grounded in uh, in integrated truth that ultimately is Jesus Christ, people are increasingly hungering for that because it's becoming more and more clear to more and more people that a relativism that we might have been able to live with okay for a long time is now uh, growing teeth uh, and and is becoming uh, a little more totalistic and people want an alternative. And the real alternative is the incarnate logos. And Catholic uh, schools, good Catholic schools, uh, really want to offer the incarnate logos to people. For those who don't um, have an education in Greek, um, Andy, do you want to decode what, what Todd just shared with us? <laughs> no, let Todd decode it. You know, I, I, I was fascinated by the way he talked about, you know, academic freedom and what that meant to those he was speaking to on that day in April. And it's not to justify or to give people the academic freedom to go contrary to what the teachings of the church are. And I, and to to Todd's point, I think that um, he had a, he had a vision back then in 05 and 08 during that time about what this was going to look like into the future. And it's incredible what's happening today. We all know what's happening today and the challenges that we see uh, in some of our public schools locally, at least for us. And I know for you guys as well. But uh, and then our ability to teach to truth um, is so important to our families and to our faith. Um, and it's become more and more prevalent today than it was back in 2008. I think too, you guys doing it in a spirit um, that I that I know our schools strive to encapsulate and or embody, but doing it in a spirit of joy, in a spirit of love, in a spirit of in a spirit of in a spirit of, of I would say, in a in a positive, cheerful, hopeful, optimistic manner, versus a we're, we're not anti like as Catholic schools we're not striving to be anti anything, right? We're striving to be pro Jesus Christ, pro human flourishing, right? pro the beauty and the truth and the goodness of our Catholic faith. And, and I think that's, what's exciting too. When I look at, when I look at this, these, these schools that, that, that we're blessed to be a part of um, ourselves and that have, that have come into the Duke and Alton school collaborative here um, and even reflect in reflecting too on this, on this legacy of Pope Benedict. Um, I, I think that's what's, that's, I think what gets me most excited is that there's something really beautiful and attractive that, that is drawing people to, to schools like ours that that are that are seeking to embrace the fullness of our faith and and we can be and with, there's you said earlier Todd, we are I think we're at a really neat point here in in the at least in terms of Catholic education in the United States um, where there's such a rich opportunity to continue to move shape and form our culture right? um, and with ben, you know and it's interesting with Pope Benedict too you know we you know Pope Benedict when he was Cardinal Ratzinger had his had his had his monikers you know attached to him as God's Rottweiler and a whole right. host of other a whole host of other terms and nicknames that were used to sort of indicate his 
his fierce, dogged-like determination. Panzer Cardinal. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so, but isn't it neat that his, the, you know, one of his first published writings was titled God is Love. Right. Yeah. And I think if you ask people, you know, prior to him becoming Pope, I'll give you a hundred guesses as what his, one of his first major writings as Pope uh, Bennett is going to be. My guess is God is Love being the title would have been way, way down on the list. But I, I think it really revealed in, in an important way his first and foremost love for Jesus Christ and love for our Lord. Mm-hmm. And particularly in the realm of education, I think that it's an, that's, that shouldn't be lost on us as educators, right? That there's a lot of things that we're doing in our schools from, you know, running classes and putting together sports programs and the arts and trying to get kids into good colleges and all of these things. But at the root is letting the love of Christ shine through each and every one of us on campus, through our students, through our families, and, and making sure that all of our efforts are geared toward that end. One of the things that was interesting to me is that he uses a term, it kind of goes back to the God is love thing. He uses a term uh, concerning education, calling it uh, the responsibility that educators have is intellectual charity. Mm. I thought that was an interesting term. And he says that uh, what that term means is to recognize the profound responsibility to lead the young to truth is nothing less than an act of love. And what a what a great way of looking at it. It's kind of like uh, the Pope has gone way up a thousand miles above us and kind of looking down on this thing globally and saying, okay, this is an act of love for the world to, to lead young people to truth. And uh, <clears throat> seeing it worked out on a more macro level is kind of exciting. Yes, and it's very interesting how, uh, again, <clears throat> you adverted to the fact that there were these terms uh, about Benedict, uh, you know, this strict doctrinalist, this <clears throat> rock-ribbed, uh, hard-nosed. Uh, uh, you ever see anything about the man or read anything from him it, that doesn't come across unless uh, the viewer has already prejudged the situation. Mm-hmm. Father Randy, you know, you, you talk about um, um, this idea that, uh, um, oh, guys, just a second, I lost my train of thought. Talk amongst yourselves, it'll come back to me. Well, well, can I, can I, I want to share just a, a brief, a brief anecdote. And, and it's, it's, it was about his visit when he came to New York in, in 2008 or came to the United States, but I was working in a school in Chicago, an all boys school at the time. And, you know, so we put up the sign, Hey, Pope's coming to the country. Hey, Pope's coming to our country. We'll take a road trip out to New York city. We'll go see him. And, and I remember very vividly, well, one, I was amazed at how quickly we had filled, I think about 40 spots or so that we had allotted for students. So, I mean, those spots went instantaneously and, and, and I'm sure some of that was 40 boys were excited to get out of school for two or three days or however long we spent. <laughs> but I think there was also an excitement for, to, to recognize, hey, this is, a real, this is an important inflection point. We used that term earlier, and, and they weren't thinking about it in those terms. But this is, a really, this is a really neat opportunity for young people to have a chance to see you know, up personal and up close, you know, Pope Benedict. And so as we're getting there, as we arrive in New York City and and, and we're walking to, to Yankee Stadium, and, I, and I'm a huge baseball fan. And I remember when I was walking, it was the first time I've been in Yankee Stadium, and I'm walking up the steps to the stadium, and I came out in the upper deck, and my breath was taken away, mm-hmm. not because of seeing Yankee Stadium for the first time, but the entire field, the entire infield, for that matter, was set up for, for mass. And all of the advertisements on you know, all of the displays were, were shrouded in black. 
And then he did beautiful papal colors surrounding the altar that was set up right around where second base was. And, and so it, one, it took my breath away. But then when, when Pope Benedict emerged right, in the procession for mass, along with all of the cardinals and other priests and dignitaries, um, to see the hush sort of that fell across the entire state and filled with many, many, many young people. And, and, and here's this colloquially, here's this old guy in white, right. That people don't know or have never met from Adam yet. Look at what he inspired in terms of the, in terms of the hearts of youth and their excitement to travel from all over, all over the country. And it was really, for me, it was a really impactful moment for me as at that time, uh, you know, a relatively young school leader um, to see, the powerful impact of the role of the of the Pope, right? And the man of Benedict himself. Hey, I was there too, but I, I didn't see you. <laughs> <laughs> Rewind the tape, Father Randy. Maybe we're sitting right next to each other. Yeah, actually, I was up in the press box, so I had a little bit of a different view. But uh, yeah, that was it was inspiring to see the way he, just his personage had an impact on, on the young people that were there. It's truly amazing. So... Well, I did. I did recollect what I was wanting to say in relation uh, to you, you, Father Randy. You talked about how, uh, for Benedict, uh, offering children the truth or leading them to the truth is an act of charity, uh, because there are there are real and concrete truths uh, to understand uh, that that help us to shape our lives. And I was wanting to make the connection between that teaching of Benedict and the fact that there uh, that he had many detractors. Uh, who, mm -hmm. who created parodies of him. Uh, but, but I think uh, Western culture has come in, become increasingly hostile uh, to the idea of truths about the human person uh, uh, being charitable, right? Truths about the human person become uh, more restrictive and oppressive than they are liberating and fulfilling. So when Benedict speaks, uh, would speak words of truth in love, which is all he did, mm -hmm. right? make encouragements along these lines, there are elements um, that would see that as, uh, as hostile uh, to their understanding of freedom, uh, which is complete personal autonomy, rather than trying to come to a full human personal formation in the truth that is also love. That's good stuff. One of the things that I just think about, and this actually predates him uh, being in the papacy, but uh, can you imagine Catholic education today without the catechism? That's probably one of the greatest pieces of legacy he left as the the chairman and the one that really kind of directed the putting together that amazing, amazing book. It was not lost on me, by the way, here in Minnesota with a couple of guys called Father Mike and Jeff Cavins, uh, that the catechism in a year, which became immediately number one on the podcast list, uh, was begun the morning after Pope Benedict died. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just think there is something kind of providential about that. I, I, I imagine that nowhere on the planet has there been anything since that was published that is reaching such a, a substantial audience simultaneously uh, with the catechism, including a lot of non-Catholics. I, uh, I have a relative, by the way, a non-Catholic relative who is a devoted listener uh, to that. And by the way, she has become a big Benedict 16 fan uh, a, a, along the way. So I think interesting things are afoot. <clears throat> I was sad that God took Benedict home, but seems like with Benedict home, he may be doing quite a, quite a few things up there. 
Yeah. <laughs> He's probably praying a lot for all of us, I'm sure. Yeah, one of the other one of the other points that um, that I've heard Benedict made, and I and I can't I, I don't recall exactly where where um, where he may have said this, but it was it was um, it was probably shortly after his visit to, to the U.S. I don't know, two thousand, a couple maybe a couple years after that. Um, but he also just talked about the quite simply, you know, the idea that a good Catholic school is ultimately its ultimate purpose is to help its students become saints, right? And there are there are so many dimensions that we can strive to do well to 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 achieve. <clears throat> Um, but you know, you know, that, that real simple yet, you know, that clarion call that our goal is, yeah, do we want to keep kids into great colleges? Do we want to help kids, um, you know, grow in all of these different dimensions of their lives, emotional, spiritual, physical, you know, intellectual for sure. But there is a priority, right. To that, to that list. Right. And, and first and foremost, that if we do all of these things well, yet we haven't cultivated that deep and abiding relationship with Jesus Christ to help them on their journey toward becoming holy through their ordinary work, then we're then we're kind of missing the boat, right? In terms of what we're doing as schools, and 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 I appreciate that really simple uh, you know, reminder, right? That you know that that Benedict put out there for us that really we're here. We should be looking at every one of these young souls in our schools as as future saints, right? The kids that we could eventually. Uh, Put a, put a statue up on our campus, regardless of the, the whatever path they they choose to walk in this world. Um, name a building after them. Right? Name a name a endow a professorship after them or a teacher position after them. Like that should be our mindset. That that's that is um that's what we're that's what we're striving to do. Yeah, and I think the importance as well with that was <clears throat> was the idea that you know this is infiltrated in everything that we do not just within a certain aspect of our school whether it's campus ministry theology classes your chaplain whoever it has to be your football coach it has to be your basketball coach it has to be your choir director and if you don't hire well uh then you're in trouble and you got to hire well to mission uh and you know we have found that uh, around here to be extremely important because quite frankly we have 100 staff members and I'm I'm the president but I may not know what's going on down the hallway all the time but We've got to have the right people in the seat. And that was, it was interesting because he talked about that being within the entirety of the campus and the entirety of the schools with all of their activities, with all of their athletics. And, you know, that, that thought process is really important. And then along with that, it's been to hire the right people to be a part of that process for you. All right. And Andy, I'm going to pull a father Randy and I'm going to actually share. Can I, father Randy, can I share a quote from Pope Benedict? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just, it, I was, I was just highlighting a few things that I, I was, thing I wanted to touch on this morning or this afternoon and, and Andy, you just hit one of them um, he he had uh, he had I think it was a world it was a, a world day of peace back in 2012 and I'll, I'll summarize or I'll, I'll just take a, a section of this quote but he had said for reason for this reason today more than ever we need authentic witnesses and not simply people who parcel out rules and facts we need witnesses capable of seeing seeing farther than others because their life is so much broader a witness is someone who first lives the life that he proposes to others. And as I was reading that, I was thinking exactly what you were just sharing, Andy, that, that like we, our ability to fully live our mission um, as Catholic schools will always be limited by the people in every position on campus mm-hmm. or, or be energized or be catalyzed to make up a verb, right? By those who are living, living the life so well or striving to live, I should say so well, what they're proposing to our students. And that's from a school leader perspective that that's why that I think that responsibility to hire and to hire well and to build great teams is right. so critical to us living our Catholic in uh, our Catholic mission. 
you know, our bishop says something really funny all the time. Whenever we're together, in fact, we're going to dinner. All the leadership's going to dinner at his house tonight. And he'll he'll say this, I guarantee it. He say it's really important who you hire, but it might be more important who you fire. <laughs> yeah. Your ability to manage your staff and knowing that if they're not a mission fit for your school, you have to make difficult decisions to make sure that, that your school is protected because you're responsible for your school. It almost seemed like in, in his uh, address uh, there at Catholic U, he was almost um, putting down the gauntlet and saying, okay, you've got to go through these things to be a Catholic educator. You got to believe in evangelization. You've got to have a conviction and faith that the truth is the truth. And and you know, and he just really laid down these these um, really foundational principles. That it, I think if we mm. took those, that that right there is a great way to uh, filter uh, and and to hire to mission is just have them look at those or have us look at those things in in light of the person that's sitting across the table. Yeah, the first question we ever ask in any interview is, tell me about your faith life. And if they can answer that question pretty well, then they may be a good fit for us. They may not be a very good teacher, but we got to figure that out. But if they can't answer that question, they're probably not a very good fit for our school. And, and that's that's really important for the to 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 Rich, to your point, to be witnesses to the faith and be willing to stand up in front of a thousand people and do a witness prior to a mass or doing a witness to your 25 kids in your classroom to uh, how Mary has affected your life. Those types of things. We want to make sure that we have the ability to do that. Uh, this was the day that uh, Benedict was elected. I was in St. Paul, Minnesota, which is about 35 miles from here uh, at uh, frankly, an archdiocesan school meeting of some kind. And we knew that at some point the, the new Pope was going to be elected uh, because um, John Paul had been deceased for a while by then. And so we were all waiting news of the white smoke. And I got in my car and was driving back to Plymouth and still coming out of downtown St. Paul, our high school principal calls me and says, Todd, uh, there's white smoke. And I thought, oh my goodness, I don't have an opportunity to make it all the way back. So up on an exit ramp, I saw a Chi Chi's Mexican restaurant. And I thought, oh, you know, they'll have a bar with with a TV in there. I think it's something like 11 a.m. Uh, and no, Andy, I didn't get it. I didn't order a beer. I just wanted to see a TV. <laughs> so uh, when it went in there and when it went to the bar and I said, hey, uh, I understand there's white smoke. Can you tune into some news station? Uh, and they did. So I, I, I was sitting there uh, watching and waiting and, and I started to, you know, kind of speak, just kind of speak to anyone around me. Suddenly this uh, this middle aged black woman comes into the restaurant and she hears me and she peeks her head into the bar. She says, what's going on? And I said, there's white smoke. She says, oh, that means there's a new pope, right? And I said, yeah. She said, oh, I love the pope. She said, now I'm not Catholic. I'm Baptist. I, I'm Baptist. But I love the pope. And I thought, what a beautiful testimony about the power of his predecessor, John mm -hmm. Paul, right? Right. And she said, oh, he's just the greatest Christian witness and so forth. And I hope the next guy's as good as, as good as him. She said, you mind if I join you? I said, come right on up. So she she sat yeah. on the stool next to me and we were really excited. And because uh, we knew that someone was going to come out on the balcony. Right. She said, who do you think it's going to be? <clears throat> I said, I don't know. <laughs> she said, you think it's going to be that African guy? And, and I said, Cardinal Orinze? She said, yeah, I think that's his name. She said, I really like him. I said, well, I do too. I don't know. She says, you think it might be that German guy? 
And I said, I, I don't know. It, it could be Cardinal Ratzinger. I don't, she said, Oh, I know about him too. He's so good. And so anyhow, it was the German guy who came out and we stood up and danced around and high five. And I thought evangelism, 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 JP oh my, yeah. Ratzinger witnesses, comprehensive witnesses to their life. You get a black, Baptist woman from St. Paul, Minnesota, dancing with me in a Mexican bar when the German guy gets elected. Pope. I will never forget that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a great story. I don't know if any of us could top that. Well, uh, I did make I, it back to school that afternoon, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it is amazing, though. Um, I had, in doing some reading, found out that he had aggressively campaigned not to be elected. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> He, did people, not he didn't want to be a bishop. He didn't want to be a cardinal. He didn't want to work at the CDF, and he didn't want to be pope. Nope. Which made him a good candidate for each. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what was the old saying? Uh, a person who walks in to be pope walks out as a cardinal. You know, so. But, uh, yeah, he definitely uh, was looking toward, I think, a more uh, professorial or scholarly retirement at that point. But. Uh, God had other plans. Thanks be to God, He did. Because although isn't it isn't it funny, Father and guys, uh, how He continued uh, amidst everything this powerful intellectual life, that series on Jesus of Nazareth, uh, the beautiful encyclicals, the powerful speech at Regensburg, so many others, uh, where He contributed at the very highest level of the church actively to the church's theological and in- intellectual life in a way that is going to have a profound future impact. You know, people are calling for him to be named a doctor of the church. I certainly support that. I think uh, is, you know, I'm one of these eggheads who has been reading devotionals written by Cardinal Ratzinger every day for the last 15 years uh, up to this day. But uh, I think he, what's interesting is his intellectual academic life continued despite himself and at a very high level. I also think you guys that one of the and then thinking about our students too and our school communities that 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 that's important for us to start find ways to impart is just the is ultimately the trust in the trust in God first and foremost right? that our Lord knows the right person at the right time for our church and and I think and at least in our context of American culture um, you know there's we we can be pretty uh, America centric and. And think the world revolves around us here in the United States, and why aren't certain people being elected to be pope who can do X, Y, or Z, uh, you know, with the church and in the world? And this is what we need. And and you know, and whether it's whether it's you know whether it's Pope John Paul II, um, you know, of happy memory, or it's Pope Benedict now of happy memory, or it's Pope Francis currently, or who will be after Pope Francis, right? That you know, that as faithful Catholics, we're called first and foremost to love love the Pope. Right for who he is, and and praying a lot for him, and the graces that he has given to shepherd us here, and you know in this world, and and really what a, and what a blessing it was to have a not just once in a lifetime, but probably once in a millennium experience where you had in essence two popes, um, you know, in this world for a period of time, one with the authority as the pope, but one another also with the with in essence the the cachet uh, and a little bit of the prestige and the following, um, you know, that he was able to garner during his papacy as well. And what a, what a, what and, and their and their contrast too and their styles and uh, you know as well as I think it's helpful for all of us as Catholics to you know to remember that ultimately, right? It's it's our it's our Lord that we're seeking. Mm-hmm. And, 
And, you know, that's, that's, I don't know, at least for me, right. That's been, you know, that's, that's been a helpful, helpful reminder. Well, one last thought that I have, I'd like to kind of put out to you guys to do. If we were on the other side of December 31st, and you had an opportunity to just say a few words to Pope Benedict, knowing that he would soon pass from this world, what would you say to him? What would you like to share with him? I, you know, for me, I would share with him that his vision and his uh, leadership is working on a daily basis with kids who have great desire to be in relationship with Jesus. Um, and we're, we're giving them a platform to do so. And, uh, and, and he was an inspiration to everyone who wanted that for their schools or to educate kids. And, you know, again, I think the Duke and Altam collaborative, I'll go back to that. There is a purpose that we're all together. How we all got there is a story for another day, how it all started, but we're there for a reason. And it's because we all, we believe in, in that personal relationship with Jesus and bringing it to our kids on our campus with love and joy. As, as Rich said earlier, do it with joy, because if you don't do it with joy, one, it's not going to be very much fun, but two, they're not going to, they're not going to respond. I mean, I, my, my, if I had that opportunity uh, to, to offer some, some words to, to, to Pope Bennett, it'd probably be very simple, right? Thank you. Right? Thank you for your, thank you for your faithful um, witness to vocation, frankly, a, an entire life dedicated to um, persevering in what was certainly a very difficult um, vocational journey, right? You, we mentioned earlier, right? Do, having a lot of having a lot of calls to do things that he would otherwise prefer probably not to have done. Uh, and yet every time he kept answering the call. And so perhaps just a thank you, right? Thank you for being so generous with um, answering what you believe the Lord was calling you to do and putting that above whatever your own personal desires were. And frankly, that's a great witness for us as school leaders, as fathers and mothers, um, as brothers and sisters to, to always put the needs of the other first, right? And he did so on probably about as big of a scale as you can imagine here in this world. I'd say pretty much the same thing that uh, uh, Rich did, except I'd say Danka, uh, just to try <laughs> to offer his, his own language there at the, at the very end. Uh you know, one personal thing for me, I think, in terms of meeting with him, uh, I think all of three of you know, and I think some of our audience knows that I'm a convert to the Catholic faith, that prior to coming into the church, I was an Anglican archbishop in one of the smaller Anglican denominations. And it was Pope Benedict that back, uh, I came into the church in 2006, and it was in 2009 that he uh, instituted Anglicanorum Chaitibus which was the apostolic constitution inviting Anglicans to come into full communion with the church, not just individually, but as churches and as clergy. And even though I was already in the church, I had an opportunity to um, apply for priesthood through the, uh, the Anglican ordinariate that was being established at the time. And as we went through the process, all of it was handled in Rome, and so we would submit a dossier, and uh, the the dossier that I submitted was probably about two inches thick of documentation of different things, and then there was a second round, and you had to add additional documentation, all kinds of things, and uh, finally, all of that was taken and 
the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith would take the file and give it to the Holy Father. So I had the privilege of Pope Benedict actually being the one giving me permission to be ordained a priest. So I, I would say thank you as well for this wonderful gift of the priesthood that he he gave me. It was uh, absolutely an amazing thing uh, to behold that he just opened the door of the church uh, and allowed those of us uh, who really had a heart that was leaning toward the fullness of the Catholic faith to come in and still exercise ministry. So again, he was very, very visionary in uh, the way that he viewed the church and how we could have an impact in the lives of so many. Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, being with me today for this little time of reminiscing, kind of free form, but uh, Mm -hmm. it was kind of good to just think about the way that he had an impact, both in terms of uh, his leadership. I happen to think that uh, we're going to be doing uh, a series in a few weeks on follow to lead on the five marks of Catholic schools from Archbishop Miller's amazing document on the Holy See's uh, uh, view of Catholic schools. And that was actually published during Pope Benedict's uh, pontificate uh, when Archbishop Miller, uh, in, as the secretary for Catholic education, put that out. So again, a bit of an imprimatur there from uh, Pope Benedict on that amazing document that we're going to really dissect over about six different um, uh, podcasts. So it's going to be a a great, great experience. So uh, he did leave us a great legacy, and uh, thanks be to God that there are so many wonderful ways that it's being followed and expressed throughout the world. And for us here in America, uh, how great it is to have each other in Duke and schools. Uh, to do this. So again, uh, Andy Talicki, uh Todd Flanders, Rich Meyer, thank you so much You're for welcome. being with us yeah, today. This has been fun. Yeah, thanks for yeah, the invitation, thanks. Father Andy. Yeah, appreciate it, Father Andy. And uh, for our audience, if you haven't already, please become a follower to the podcast and uh, leave a comment to encourage us on future programming. If you want to know more about the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative, you can visit our website at diaschools.com. And please remember the next summit for all Catholic school leaders is next October on the 16th, 17th, and 18th. And we will be on the campus of the Catholic University of America. In fact, if you're there, you'll be able to see the plaque that shows where the Pope uh, had that historic address. So anyway, we want to thank also our production assistant, Alex Shire, for assisting in the production of this podcast. May Almighty God bless you. We'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode of Follow to Lead, a production of the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative. To learn more about finding your own path in your journey of faith, or for more information on what we discussed in today's episode, you are invited to follow us on social media and visit us on the web at diaschools.org. To provide a one-time donation or monthly pledge, please visit our website. Your gift will aid us in providing up-to-date information, additional resources, and other support on how to take Catholic education to a higher level. We look forward to helping you follow God's call to lead others to God right here on Follow to Lead.